Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we are in our third week of a new study through the Gospel of Mark. Last week, we aired an introductory message entitled, Why is Mark Remarkable? But the title of today's message is, Why is John Remarkable? Well, wait a minute. I thought you said we were preaching through the book of Mark. We are. There are four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one deals with the earthly ministry of Jesus from a little different perspective, and each author's focus is a little different. Mark starts out with the ministry of John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah, as foretold in the Old Testament. You may wonder, why is he so important to the purpose of Mark's gospel? Well, find out as you listen today and each day this week to the message preached by Pastor Jim Harris entitled, Why is John Remarkable? From that time on, Elijah was the standard of fashion for most of God's prophets. There is even a quotation that false prophets who were trying to deceive people into thinking they were God's messengers should wear uh, camel's hair and a rough leather belt so they would look like it. So I called this point dress for success for a reason. Well, John was a prophet. This was his successful ministry. But I think there's a lesson to be, heard, to be learned from the fact that John the Baptist never tried to identify with the people he preached to. He wanted to identify with his God. He wanted everything about him to get out of the way of his message. That's 180 degrees opposite to most of what people are being taught today about preaching. Uh, it, It doesn't matter what people think of you personally. It doesn't matter if you can make it on to their A list of who they want to invite to their events. I don't want to be on a lot of people's A-lists if it has anything to say about my character. It matters that you are identified as clearly as possible with God and His message, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You listen to some things that are rather blatantly being taught to to uh, preachers in training these days, and you would think if you really want to be successful, figure out how to fit into skinny jeans and get plenty of tattoos. But that's not the point. It's not, you, you you don't call people to repentance by becoming like them. You call people to repentance by speaking the truth of God's Word in love. So here is John clothed with camel's hair, wearing a leather belt around his waist, and his diet was locusts and wild honey. Why locusts and wild honey? Well, let's take a field trip and we'll go out to that wilderness and see what you can find to eat there. Now, it was a, it was a nourishing diet. You got some protein, you got some carbohydrates, but not exactly in the gourmet category. It was the main food available in the wilderness. Perhaps it was 
also sort of an ongoing fasting of denying himself the regular foods customary in his world. Remember, his, his dad was a priest. He had grown up somewhere around Jerusalem, so he knew eating normal, but um, he ate locusts. It's interesting that if you check out Leviticus 11.22, there were exactly three insects that were allowed to be part of the diet under the law of Moses. You could have uh, locusts and their cousins crickets and grasshoppers. They're the only ones. You say, well, how do you eat a locust? Well, one might apply the words of a famous person in our culture. You can barbecue it, boil it, broil it, bake it, saute it. There's locust kebabs, locust creole, locust gumbo, pan-fried, deep-fried, stir-fried. There's pineapple locust, lemon locust, coconut locust, pepper locust, locust soup, locust stew, locust salad, locust and potatoes, locust burger, and locust sandwich. Now, don't say I don't do my research. I nailed that, word for word. Locusts and wild honey. I'm sure his food and diet were a rebuke to the self-satisfied, self-indulgent, self-righteous religious leaders of his day. But you notice John never called anyone to live like he lived. He lived like he lived to identify with God as his messenger. He called people only to repent from their sins and to be ready to meet Jesus. John the Baptist was remarkable because he cared about serving the Lord. He wanted to do what God's Word told him to do. He was remarkable because of his radical message of repentance. And he was remarkable because he cared only about serving the Lord. He did not care what people thought of him. What about his message? And one more lesson is about his message. Preach Christ. Verses 7 and 8, and we're done for today. And he was preaching and saying, After me, one is coming who is mightier than I. Remember the idea of the herald coming before the king? So I'm just the front man. After me, one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now you can, on your own, go read the parallel passage in Matthew. Matthew includes a lot more about the promise of the judgment of God that was coming upon Israel for her spiritual apostasy. Mark just sticks with focusing on the preeminence of King Jesus. I, I really like the New American Standard translation, but I would make one little tiny tweak uh, in verse 7 there because there's a definite article that they didn't reflect in our English translation. I wish it said, the one who is coming after me is mightier than I. Because it's there in the Greek. Untying a master's sandals and, and, and washing the daily dust off of his feet, that was the chore of the lowest of slaves who were following that particular master. So John's point is saying, I'm not even worthy to be considered the lowest slave of this king who is coming. John explained that as the forerunner of the Messiah, his baptism was preliminary. Preparatory. Uh, John baptized with water in conjunction with repentance and confession. Jesus would baptize or immerse 
with the Holy Spirit. He's going to bring a whole new life. John the Baptist was remarkable because he pointed everyone who would listen to him toward Jesus Christ. Whatever the subject was, John would get it to the point of the one who was coming after him, mightier than him. That's what we need to get to, my friends. We're going to leave this place in the next number of minutes. We're going to go out into a world that needs to hear, repent, confess, believe. The one who has come is mightier than I, and I'm not worthy to loosen the thong of his sandals. You know, um, it was amazing that people came to John. It was clearly the work of the Spirit of God that drew so many people there. But, you know, some people came to John and it irked him. He didn't like them coming. Remember he used his sermon illustration? You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee? Who was he talking to? The religious leaders. The ones who had twisted the message of God's holy scriptures in the Old Testament. And to them, he says... In Matthew chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Hey, you can come out here. I can put you underwater and pull you back up. You can admit to anything you want to. But if it's the work of God, there's going to be fruit. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, show me that you have rejected that self-righteousness system. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, and here's exactly what they did, we have Abraham for our father, for I say to you that these stones God is, or from these stones God is able to raise up children to Abraham. Remember, he uses two sermon illustrations that he had, snakes and stones. Calls them snakes and says, you're as valuable to God as these rocks. Except if he wanted to, he could breathe new life into, into them. Are you willing to repent and accept that new life? How does that apply today? Well, it's not enough to have Christian parents. It's not enough to have had an experience at which you admitted you're a sinner. You know, it's not even enough to be part of Heritage Bible Church. It's not enough to... Own a Bible, even if you read it from time to time. The starting point of salvation is to come empty-handed to God, to cry out to Him for His mercy to rescue you from sin's bondage and punishment. That's true faith. And from that day on, God's grace will be at work in you, causing you to bear fruit in keeping with that change of direction, that repentance. Is your repentance showing? Have you learned from John the Baptist? Remarkable man. Remarkable message that we all need. Heavenly Father, thank You for sending this forerunner, but Oh, so beyond that, thank You for sending Your Son that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly. Father, if there is one soul here today that has not yet repented, 
and called out to you for your grace. Oh, draw that one to yourself today. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.